ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible.Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are on the sixth book of the Minor Prophets, Micah. One thing in my study of this book, I realized that as I have been recapping the minor prophets with Hosea, I've been saying he married a harlot, which represented Israel's unfaithfulness to the Lord, and that is true. But I recognize today that I need to add to that because it also shows us the faithfulness and steadfast love of the Lord. And the Hebrew word for that word is hesed. It's the Lord faithfulness, his loving kindness to Israel. And that is the key point of Hosea. It's just easier for me to remember Hosea with the harlot because they both started with H. Thankfully, Hesed, the loving kindness of the Lord starts with an H, at least in the English translation. So from now on, I will say, Hosea, who married the harlot, which represented the unfaithfulness of Israel, but it also shows the Hesed love the Lord has for his people. Joel prophesied about the plague of locusts, which was to turn the people back to the Lord before the day of the Lord comes. Amos preached, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, which was a call for the Lord's people to social justice and true worship. Obadiah was judgment declared to Edom, descendants of Esau, for their vengeful dealings with Jerusalem and Judah. Jonah was called to preach to Nineveh in Assyria and at first refused and he ended up swallowed by a big fish until he said, that which I have vowed I will pay. So he went, they repented, and Jonah was angry about it. Now we have Micah. Verse 1 of chapter 1 says, The word of the Lord which came to Micah of Moresheth, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. What that means is, first it was the Lord that initiated it, and the Lord spoke to Micah of Moresheth. This city is in Judah, south of Jerusalem, close to the area of Gath, which was close to the Philistine and Judean border. It was a farming area. Now, I want to share with you that in one of my books, the writer wrote that Micah was a man of the fields. It does not say that in scripture. He assumed that because of where he was from. The way he said it, as if it is a fact, makes me not trust that writer. Now, if he were to say his hometown was a farming community, so it is likely that he was a farmer, is much more truthful. And I just want you to be aware of teachers and how they present their opinions versus showing you in scripture what it says. We don't know what his profession was. And there are people who spend hours to debate that, but I am not one of them because it really doesn't matter. As for the time, three kings of Judah are mentioned. Jotham's reign began in 750 BC 
Ahaz, also known as Jehoahaz, started around 735 BC and Hezekiah began in 716 and ended around 687 BC. So we have a 60-year possibility. There are people that debate where during those 60 years was it written, but again, it does not affect the message of the book, so it really doesn't matter. What we do know is that Micah is mentioned in another Old Testament book, Jeremiah chapter 26, verses 16 through 19. If you remember, Jeremiah was in Jerusalem during the time that Babylon was coming against Judah. In chapter 26, some officials wanted to kill Jeremiah for his prophecies of doom. Then it says in verses 17 through 19, Then some of the elders of the land rose up and spoke to all the assembly of the people, saying, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and he spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus the Lord of hosts has said, Zion will be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem will become ruins, and the mountain of the house as the high places of a forest. Did Hezekiah king of Judah and all Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And the Lord changed his mind about the misfortune that he had pronounced against them? But we are committing a great evil against ourselves. Since Micah had prophesied and the people remembered some 90 to 100 years later, Jeremiah's life was spared because he prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem too. We now know that Micah was a prophet of the Lord from Judah around the time of 750 to 687 BC, which was also around the times of other prophets such as Isaiah, Hosea, Amos, and Jonah. This was before the exiles, so it's during the time of the Neo-Assyrian period, while Assyria was becoming the world power of the day. The last half of verse 1 says, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Since the word saw is used, it may be that Micah saw visions, but it does not say that directly. What is said is Micah saw things that concerned Samaria, which was the capital of, as well as Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. Now, it does not say if he went to Samaria and Jerusalem, so it could be that he prophesied about Samaria, but stayed in Jerusalem. We do know that Jerusalem and the temple are mentioned a lot in the book, as well as the activities of the leaders of Jerusalem, such as the political leaders, priests, and prophets. He also used the phrase, my people, eight times in the book, with reference to the people of Judah. Some people think that Micah may have been among the elders of Judah because of these references. But again, it does not say. I think it's okay to speculate as long as you don't say this is a fact. For instance, Micah, the book, is set up as if the people are going to trial against the Lord. He uses words like witness, plead your case, indictment. The Lord has a case against his people. Plead my cases execute justice, pardon iniquity. One book I read said that chapter 6 verses 1 through 5 was the people's subpoena from the Lord. This just makes me wonder if Micah was a lawyer or someone in Jerusalem that did understand the legal system in some way. But again, we do not know 
and it really doesn't matter. So let's recap. Who? Micah the prophet of the Lord from Judah. What? Prophecies regarding Samaria and Jerusalem. When? During the era of the divided kingdom of Israel, but before the exiles happened. Where? Mainly Jerusalem. Why? According to Dr. Betts notes, the key words for this book are judgment and restoration of Judah. Hill and Walton in their book, A Survey of the Old Testament, point out that Micah is one of the few prophets who explicitly stated his purpose. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Micah 3.8. This is found on page 644 of their book. According to C. Hassel Bullock in his book, An Introduction to the Old Testament Prophetic Books, his chapter on Micah is entitled, Judgment, Hope, and Promise. One thing we will find in this book is there is not a call to repentance, but a declaration of what is to come. First, the judgment and fall of Samaria by Assyria, then the Assyrian attack on Judah, both in chapter 1, then the fall of Jerusalem by Babylon, the captivity in Babylon in chapters 3 and 4. Then there is hope for a return to Jerusalem from captivity, chapter 7. And then there is the promise that one will be born in Bethlehem who will be ruler in Israel. And we know this is a reference to Jesus. This is found in chapter 5. Now that we have that covered, let's jump into the scriptures. And let me point out a few more things. The book is split into three sections that start with here. The first is here, O peoples, all of you. Listen, O earth, and all it contains, and let the Lord God be a witness against you. Chapter 1, verse 2. In chapter 3 is the second section, which starts, And I said, Hear now, heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? The third starts with chapter 6. Hear now what the Lord is saying. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Each section addresses the sin of the people and their consequences, and each end with a note of hope. We see more of the legalese language in the first and the last section, and we also see phrases like, in that day and now. Chapter 1 begins with the judgment upon Samaria and the attack on Judah, especially on Jerusalem by the Assyrians because of their rebellion and idolatry. Starting with verse 8 is a song of lament. Chapter 2 begins with woe upon those who scheme and work evil and rob people. Verse 8 says, recently my people have arisen as an enemy. You stripped the robe off of the garment from unsuspecting passers-by, from those returned from war. Then verses 12 and 13 is the oracle of hope. I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. And then it ends with, so their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. Restoration will come someday. Section 2 addresses the heads of Jacob, which seem to include the priests and the rulers of Israel. 
They are unjust, verse 1. They take bribes, verse 11. They love evil, verse 2. They exploit people, verses 2 and 3. So the Lord will hide his face from them at that time because they have practiced evil deeds, verse 4. Starting with verse 5, the prophets are addressed. And as we have seen before, they cry out, Peace, peace, when there is no peace, especially if they are paid to do so. One thing Dr. Bett said in class, there is no peace with lostness. There is no peace with sin. The only peace comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It comes through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In this section, we see Micah describing his purpose and calling, and he is filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, and with justice and courage. Verse 12 says that on account of the leaders of Jerusalem, Zion will be plowed as a field and Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins. And in 410, Babylon is mentioned as the one who is coming to do this. Chapter 4 through chapter 5 verse 9 is the oracle of hope and restoration. It starts off and it will come about in the last days. It includes many nations coming to the mountain of the Lord, so they too will walk in the ways of the Lord. And then there is a verse that is also found in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they train for war. Questions arise, did they know each other? Did one read the other's book or did they both know another book or even a song? Or could it be that the Lord just told them to say the same things? No one really knows. And again, it doesn't really matter. What does matter is that there will be a day of no more war. Woohoo! We know this was not fulfilled in Jesus's day because there's always been war on earth, even today. But someday, in that everlasting kingdom, there is no more need for war utensils because there will be peace someday in that everlasting kingdom. And verse 5 says, As for us, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Also in that day, the lame and the outcast, even those whom the Lord afflicted, the remnant will assemble. Chapter 5 continues about that everlasting kingdom. And here we see a glimpse of the everlasting ruler that is nothing, nothing like the rulers they have now. Verse 2 says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. In the New Testament book of Matthew, he uses this verse in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 to explain how Herod, the king's chief priest and scribes, knew where the Messiah was to be born once the wise men came and asked. The part that is not included is the last two lines. His going forth was from long ago, from the days of eternity. This gives us a clue that Jesus, who was the Messiah, is also God. Then verse 5 of chapter 5 says, This one will be our peace. 
In verse 15 of chapter 5, we do see that the Lord will execute vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations which have not obeyed the Lord. This reminds us of the judgments of the nations that we have found in other prophetic books. Chapter 6 begins with the third oracle of judgment or the indictment of the Lord because he has a case against his people. In verse 3, the Lord asks, My people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. Then the Lord reminds them of how he brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, how he sent them Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Yay, the Lord included Miriam. Then he mentioned how Moab tried to curse them with the help of Balaam the prophet, but the Lord would not allow him to curse them. This is found in Numbers chapter 22, verses 5 and 6. And he did all that so that you might know the righteous acts of the Lord. Then the people ask, How then do we approach you? Do I bow down before you? Do I bring burnt offerings? Do I sacrifice my children to you? Then we have the key verse of the book, Micah 6, 8. It just dawned on me today, the very first part of that verse, he told you, he has told you, over and over and over and over and over again, but you would not listen. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. According to Bullock, this verse is often called the golden rule of the Old Testament. Chapter 7 starts with woe of Micah. Woe is me, for I am like a fruit picker, like the grape gatherers. There is not a cluster of grapes to eat, or a first ripe fig which I crave. The godly person has perished from the land, and there is no upright person among men. Verse 6, Jesus quotes in both Matthew 10, verse 21 and 35 and 36, as well as in Luke chapter 12, verse 53. For son treats fathers contemptuously. Daughters rise up against her mother. Daughter-in-laws against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Jesus references this verse to the disciples of difficult times ahead for them. Many think this is also a reference to the end times as well. Starting in verse 7, we have the last oracle of hope. Even though Micah feels alone, he says... But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. It continues and talks of the day Jerusalem will be rebuilt and boundaries extended. Dr. Betts said that verse 18 is also a key verse. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love, in hesed. The last verse reminds us that the Lord is faithful to the promise he made to Abraham and their forefather of Jacob. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from the days of old. Two things C. Hassel Bullock said in his chapter on Micah. History held the key to the future. And 
the chronological depth of the prophetic vision of the future was perhaps only faintly understood by the prophets, but they knew that they were serving a generation yet to be born. And he references 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And this quote is found on page 147 of his book. Ladies, when I see how many prophecies of Micah have come true, some were fulfilled in a few years, like the fall of Samaria by Assyria in 722 BC, and then the fall of Jerusalem and the exiles in 586 BC, then the return of the Jews to Jerusalem in 537-536 BC, then the rebuilding of the walls in 445-444 BC, then the birth of the one in Bethlehem, around 3 AD. That is a range of at least 700 years. And then Jesus said that some of Micah's prophecies have not yet been fulfilled. This is what makes me so strongly believe the Bible and believe in the God of the Bible, who is faithful to his word and to his love for humanity. So ladies, have you heard the Lord speaking today? If yes, please don't harden your hearts like the nation of Israel. Instead, let's be like Micah, that even if we feel alone, we will stay faithful and walk in obedience. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.